and welcome to yet another episode of Salsa Oklahoma with Ray and Dolce Salsa, where a smooth salsa lives. Today we have an amazing, amazing Oklahoma Salsera guest, Maritza Rodriguez. Maritza is a world champion, world Latin dance competition. In 2014, she performed with Diana Diana Ramirez from Alma Latina. She is the uh, she runs here Latin Fusion Oklahoma, which is and they use a Yamale Yamale. Let's learn to pronounce Yamale <laughs> franchise. And she we are excited to have someone with her caliber and experience to talk with us today. How you doing, Maritza? Hi, I'm doing very well. Thank you. <laughs> so we are doing this uh, via video chat right now. Uh, yes. And uh, we're excited. Hopefully, it all comes out uh, comes through. Okay. So, Maritza, you've been kind of busy, very busy recently, uh, trying with your uh, yes uh, personal life and all. So, we're glad you took some time to talk to us. So, we want to talk to you and ask you a few questions. Uh, one, uh, you have any events you want to start uh, propose to the Oklahoma City community right now, or classes? Definitely. Yes, right now we are offering two public classes. The first one is salsa dancing. That is on Thursdays from 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. And it's for beginner and intermediate levels. You don't need a partner and you don't need any experience. Uh, we always rotate partners, uh, have a good time with everyone. That's on one the or class two? That's salsa on one? Salsa on two. On two. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the classes are $15 per class or $50 for a package of four classes. And they are at 360 Dance Studio. For if you want to learn bachata, we have bachata classes on Sundays from 4.30 to 5.30. And that is just beginner level. Same thing. You don't need a partner. You don't need any experience. And the pricing is the same. So if you buy a package, you can use it towards salsa and bachata both and sort of mix and match. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So excited. Hopefully people can gather and get a chance to do that. So, all right, Mary, so you've been doing this for a long time. Yes. And you're not that old. You're not old at all. Do you want, can you share your age with us or you'd rather not? you like to keep that a mystery? Let's just say I'm over 35. Okay. okay. <laughs> if I had asked that question, I would be ridiculed. But yeah, no, <laughs> you're not supposed to ask that. But I was just wondering, maybe she get because maybe she'd be like, oh, I'm 25. <laughs> Nothing all this. Uh, I mean, we can pretend. <laughs> So how did you get into dancing, Maritza? Yes. Oh, that was a very long time ago. Uh, I've always kind of had a dance background. Uh, I used to do cheerleading oh. when I was young, competitive cheerleading. Wow. So that's what I did in high school. Here in Oklahoma? Um, and Here in Oklahoma? No, I'm actually from South Texas by the, by the border of Reynosa. Okay. You know, that's where I was born. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. So I did cheer for until I was 25, and then it started to hurt gymnastics was hurting my bones were hurting uh and I was in Dallas at the time so um I started to take uh salsa lessons in Dallas actually I started before then so let's let's go back while I was still in cheerleading yeah. I was in college and I lived in a dorm that was like a u-shaped okay and so I decided to go to get some snacks but if you want to get from point a to point b you have to go outside or yeah. you can take the U route. Okay. So I took the U route and I saw a group dancing 
salsa in a circle. And I was just ah, rueda. music. Yes. Yeah. Rueda. Yeah. <laughs> what is this amazing music? I feel it in my blood. Yes. And as soon as I got there, I, they were done. And I said, teach me this right now. Like, I need to learn this right now. And they taught me the basic on the spot right there. They were so nice. So I started taking their workshops every single month. And I became like, yeah, you know how they have the outer circle with the beginners mm -hmm. and then they put a smaller circle inside for the more advanced. Yes. So I was like, I want to make it to the inner circle. <laughs> so over time, <laughs> so over time I made it to the inner circle. Uh, I think I took lessons with them for two years. So from 2001 to 2003. And then that's when I graduated from college and I was old enough to go to the clubs. Yeah. So I go to the club and I'm like, yes, I'm an advanced brother dancer. Like, I'm going to show everybody. <laughs> so I walk into the club and somebody asks me to dance salsa. And I get on the dance floor and I'm like, what is this dude doing? Like, he's not calling out any of the moves. What's up with this? <laughs> like, <laughs> he thought everybody so, was going to break yeah. out into some rena. <laughs> Casino. Yeah. And so then I was like, I don't know how to dance this dance with just two people. So I started <laughs> taking salsa lessons <laughs> with one of the Reda guys um, in our in our school. Who he worked in the same building I did, so he'd give me private lessons. And his oh, name okay. was Lino, a really nice guy. Um, he was doing a PhD. So we took a bunch of lessons. Um, he back then even he taught me how to do a split on the dance floor. Wow! <laughs> like social dancing. Yeah. Wow. Like so then we, I, I went back to the club and I'm like, I know how to do this two person dance. And of course I'd go to those lessons that they offer before the club. Right. So right. I'd go to that lesson and then I would dance all night. And I became a complete addict. Like I was there. Right. It is an addiction. Whatever, whatever night that was. It is yeah, an addiction. It really is. So you did that, and then you ended up, how did you get into the competitive side? Um, let's see. After Boston, I moved to school in Dallas to go to school, do my master's in bioengineering in Dallas, and I joined a dance team, and that's where I sort of got more formal training. And then after Dallas, I moved to, I got a scholarship at OU to do bioengineering here. So that, that's how I ended up in Oklahoma, oh, where there was very little dancing. Actually, everything was at I dance at the time. There was a few studios, I think Debbie and Marty had started opening up as well at the time. But I wasn't very familiar with a lot of the stuff, because I was at OU in Norman. Mm -hmm. So I went to a congress in 2012. Before that, I was at OU, and I had to start to learn to lead because there were never enough guys. Right. All girls. So I started dancing as a dude. So I had all this experience leading, and then I went to a congress, and I saw Alma Latina. And I met a guy from Alma Latina at the congress at the gym. And then uh, that's how I met all these Alma Latina people. And I saw how amazing they were, and so we got their franchise. And when we got their franchise, of course, they were really, high, uh, really into competition. Right. So I decided, well, I think that sounds like something fun. I did competitive cheerleading. We were on ESPN. I mean, it was really wow. hard for Texas cheerleading, you know. So right. so I was just kind of like, why not? Let's let, let's try it. And so I thought, well, we got to pick a good category. And I thought, well, I've been leading for quite a while now just because I had to. And I think I want to try to do the same gender. And Gabby Equis, the owner of Alma Latina, encouraged me and gave me uh, some tips to get started. And then of course, you know, I can go through that process 
if you want later of how that actually panned out because she had a big uh she had a lot to do with it well awesome uh so you got into the competition you went to in 2014 you guys won the competition which is amazing and we're very proud to have you here same ginger yeah and uh we're going to ask you a question when we get back about instructing uh talking about different plateaus students have to struggle with but before that mm -hmm. we're going to take a small break and we'll be right back during the break we were discussing it. it's probably a good idea for her to explain how she trained how maritza how did how did you train for the competition how many hours did it require how much how much deliberate practice yeah. techniques to... <laughs> yeah so at that time sergio had choreographed our routine and i decided to take a break from my phd because i knew that it was going to be a huge commitment so i took that semester off and i was only teaching math out of college on tuesdays and thursdays at occ so every thursday i would drive to dallas then I would fly to San Diego and then Gabby would pick me up in San Diego, drive me to Tijuana and I would stay with her at her house. Wow. And then she partnered me with Diana. And so we would train for hours at the studio. Um, they would give us private lessons. We'd pay for some private lessons. Sergio would be there critiquing us. Gabby would, some of their other pro members would go in there and add their little tidbits. Um, yeah. And, and I would, Every night when I come home, I would take off my heels and I would have the shoe marks yeah. from the straps on your feet in the foot in yeah. print. Yeah. <laughs> from so many hours, hours and hours of training per day, I would take a break and they decided they wanted me to compete in heels, even though I was doing tricks. Yes. So, I did notice that in the video, I, uh, he had told me that you, um, you had won, uh, what is it called? Devil gender or the, uh, same, gender. same gender? Same gender. Same gender. But I expected to see a video of you dressed like in male outfit, and I liked that you didn't. I actually enjoyed that you didn't. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, that was actually Gabby's idea. Whenever I would lead her routines as a male, she always wanted me to wear a flower. She would say, "I don't want you to try to be a boy. Right. I want you to be a girl doing the boys' part." Or just not, just not even so, the boys part, just leading. You know, you're yeah, just leading. You, you did good, yeah. you did you're lady styling also. You're just leading. I think you can lead and still be like, I feel that we're going to get to the point one day where women are going to lead and they're still doing women's styling as they're, you know, while she's over there doing whatever, she's over here doing her thing. You know, it's possible. Yeah. So whenever we, we trained one time at a Congress, because one of the weekends that I went to go train, they had to be at a Congress. Uh, Martin from the team actually met with me for a while. He added lady styling while I was leading. He'd yeah. say like, "Lead with this hand and style." Oh, so it was right. Ah. Mm -hmm. yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I yeah. Know. No, I, I think it's great. I saw. I think I saw. Uh, not I saw. I did definitely see same gender in Chicago. This is back in two thousand three when it was like unheard of. You know, in Chicago, two males and neither one bothered to dress like a female, and I like that. You know, it's like I, I'm going to I'm going to be a lady and do the styling, but I'm going to dress, you know, like John Travolta. You know, I'm I'm smooth. I'm a smooth dancer. They were both smooth yeah, dancers. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So it was a. I had to do that for I want to say four weeks in a maybe three weeks in a row, Thanksgiving off, and then again, and then she flew here, and then we flew to Florida. So it was a lot of like 
drive. I would spend three days here and four days over there for a good month and a half. And it was, it was very tough on my body. I lost weight. Um, also, Gabby said I needed to lose weight because she's, she's always very big on the fitness when you're going to be yeah. competing. So um, Deanna was an amazing partner. She spins like a top. She's quick. She's stable. Um, and the competition, when we got on the plane, I don't know if you've heard of John and Andrew from San Diego. They were the world champions for same gender for a long, long time. Oh, okay. They were on the plane. When we meet, I think we went Oklahoma, some stop, and then to Florida. They were on the plane that we were on. I was like, this is a sign. We're going to win. <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely you definitely won. But yes. the whole process, you had coaches actually observing you and talking Lots. to you and giving you detailed, microscopic detail advice. Yes. But how many hours would you say that yes, is? All of Alma Latina. Yeah, how, how okay, despite the train, just, just the training hours. You said four days. How many hours a day were you training? You know, it's been a while. Um, I don't think any of our sessions were under two hours. And then we would take maybe a couple hours break and then go at it again. So I don't. I would say that no day was less than four hours. Okay. But I wouldn't say that. I would say it could have even gone as many as six hours in a day. Okay, uh, so anywhere. It's been a while, it was a part-time yeah, no job. No less than four hours a day. It was a part-time yes, job. That's why I had course. to take a break yeah. from school. And even though you yeah. may not have been physically trained, were you still mentally, you're still mentally engaged in it? You're still thinking, rehearsing? Because a lot of this re uh, training, yes. it's not just the physical training, it's the you know, neurological, getting your neurological training involved in it as well. Right. So you practice the routine so much that you can link all the moves to the music. So even when you're not dancing, I would run through the routine in my head and dance every part. And I even asked my partner once, I was like, whenever you train with me and we don't have the music going, are you counting or can you hear the song in your head? And she's like, I hear the song in my head. And I said, yeah, me too. That's how familiar I am with it. That I know every, every word of that song, what move we're already doing or every beat. So it, it became like that. And, and actually back to the heels thing, I forgot to mention the the judges actually said that one of the, the wow factors was that we did everything a couple would do and we did it in heels. So yes. that was kind of one of the cool yes, things. Yes, that's what men don't yeah. know exactly. You're leading and with heels. That added on an extra layer of difficulty. Mm -hmm. So that's, mm -hmm. that's awesome. You know, we're talking about the music. I know I heard someone say for uh, cheer that they rehearse, their, their coach says, rehearse until you get it and then keep rehearsing until you'll never forget it. Mm -hmm. It sounds like that's, that's So they can true. rehearse it at your 100th year party. <laughs> when you're 100 years old, I know that routine. <laughs> yeah, to where it's just muscle memory, like you can't mess it up. All right, so next question. So when you're talking, you're an instructor, you've been instructing for a while also. Um, you see a lot of common, a lot of students go through common challenges or plateaus, like barriers that they have trouble working through. And for students who are listening right now, who may be going through some of those and thinking, oh, they'll just never get it. Truth is, these are these are common. What are some plateaus you've seen, or some uh, barriers you've seen students go through, or you've experienced yourself that are normal? They're most common that you mostly mostly see. Well, I'll start with the men or women who are starting to lead. The lead part is most difficult at the lowest level, from what I've seen. So. 
not only does the guy have to learn the steps, the counts, the music, just like the just like the follow the, the girl part, but they also have to learn the arms, and they also have to watch where they're leading over the girl's head, or they can smack her or mess up her hair. Yeah. God mm. forbid. Yes. <laughs> <You know>? So <laughs> my hair, you know, don't hit me in the forehead. So um, I I find that the biggest plateau to move out of for a lead is at the beginning. Okay. They're coordinating their hands, their feet, they're leading the dance. You can't do anything if the lead doesn't know anything when you're social dancing, right? You just stand there doing basics wow. and follow. So that's very, that's a lot of pressure on a lead. You know, they're like, well, I don't want to go dance because I don't have a lot of moves and the girl looks bored or she's yes. giving me nasty looks yes. and I'm just going to drink and not dance. You know, that those are all things that my teammates in my beginner teams, uh, when I was starting went through, they would just stand there and get drunk. <laughs> so, um, I think that to get out of that, you just have to keep at it. Take lessons, learn more patterns, and dance with as many women as you want. And don't feel bad asking the upper level women. This is what I always tell the leads because they started where you were too. And they made some advanced dancer board too. <laughs> when I was in the beginner follow, I used to dress in the skimpiest clothing. I was in better shape back then. And I would just try to get all the advanced dancers to ask me to dance. So I would dress super nice. Oh, like super nice. Then, then I'd snatch them and I'd get them on the dance floor and I'd be like, by the way, I'm a beginner. Ha ha. You know? <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, you know, I took advantage of that. So I think, you know, everyone should be able to dance with people who are at a lower level to help them come up. And so guys should not feel bad asking higher level females. And also if you're trying, your trying some moves. If you ask a higher level female, if it messes up, it's likely that it was you, not the female. But if you ask the beginner and you mess up, you don't know if it was you or if they weren't following. Right. Mm -hmm. So keep asking higher level people to dance, keep taking classes, keep learning patterns. Uh, you got to stay with a teacher. The teachers are the ones that are going to tell you what you're doing wrong. So keep at it is what I would say. Once you get past that level, you are, you're going to go up linearly. And then after that, you may hit another plateau for like body movement, things like that. That's great for us to know, especially because I'm leading. I'm learning to lead and at the beginning, I'm already frustrated. But I had already mentioned in one of the previous episodes that I realized how much is involved to be a male, how much you know, uh, not just involved, you're responsible for. So thank you for that. We're going to take another little break and come right back. So we just discussed the leading uh, plateaus. What are some common plateaus that follows have to deal with? Or the, at least one, the major. What is the, most yeah, ma yeah, the, the major, major one, one that you have with followers? The major one that I've seen for followers is in... Well, there are two, one for social dancing and one for performance. But I think social dancing is the one that's the main, more people. Um, for social dancing, for follows, a follow will come into a class and they will progress very quickly as long as they get their steps because the lead is leading them, right? right. So whether, whether they react smoothly or not, they can still do the move. Then they get to a point where they go out social dancing and they dance with all these great dancers and they start improving on the social dance floor from the social dancing itself. Um, and so they kind of get bored. They're like, oh, I'm bored in class. And a lot of females, I don't know if you all have noticed this, as the classes get higher, there's always more men in there than 
have you all noticed anything yes. like that? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, they're doing more advanced lessons. So, yeah, because the women, they kind of get bored and they feel like they're not really learning much in the lesson and they already can follow socially. So why go to class? And that's the common thing that I would see. When I was starting, I kept going to class. I didn't care what level it was. My teachers were letting me in class. I was going to be there. Um, so there's a difference between following and following smoothly. So you can be out there following all you want, but <laughs> then you kind of ask, well, why is this other girl getting asked more than me? You know, I've been dancing this and it's, and it's a matter of smoothness and stability in your spins. If you cannot spin, the guys are limited with what they can do with you. And if you're not smooth, they're going to ask a smoother girl, right? You know, more often. Mm -hmm. So you learn those things in class and it's really up to the teachers to make sure that whatever they teach is challenging also the woman. And that's another thing. If the woman doesn't feel challenged in the class, she's not going to keep going. So you got to teach the woman how to be smooth. Yeah, sure. She's done an open break a million times, but does her open break feel like the teacher's open break? And that's why the teacher get asked more to dance socially than the student. Mm -hmm. And so that's that plateau where it's like, mm -hmm. you got to keep going to class, but the teacher has to keep teaching you as well. And to develop that, that smoothness. And once you get past that plateau of like, oh, everything's boring. Once you're a better spinner and a smoother dancer, that's when you will rise more as a social dancer. I think people will value, definitely value that a great deal. I know uh, I ran into that when I was a beginner dancer. Women would, you know, I, women would get frustrated because they're bored. Or even what I found as an instructor mm -hmm. is teaching ladies styling early. Because after, you know, they get the basics yeah. and the basic crossbody lead and the turn, then it's really on the lead to guide it, whether it's a high hand, shoulder, waist. And she's just kind of getting to being dizzy all day. Well, if you're suffering from being dizzy, <laughs> yeah. spotting exercises. You can have spotting exercises. Uh, styling. And it's a different styling in there. Mm -hmm. And then they're spinning. like frustrated spinning. against spinning. Yes. Now, of course, now they're getting yeah. challenged. And uh, functional styling at that. I remember I wanted to learn styling way before I was ready for it. And, you know, if I, if I purchased a private, they would do it, right? But in my school, in my team, my, my teacher would say, well, no, you're not ready for this or no, you're not ready for that. And it can be frustrating as a female dancer who dances all the time, who wants to look a certain way. But then someone once told me, did you ever notice that this instructor gets asked more to dance than this other instructor? Wow. And I said, yeah. And they said, well, that other instructor styles too much that the guy cannot and cannot do what he wants to do. Wow. Her styling is in the way. And so that's why I say functional styling. Okay. Mm. I've heard the term overstyling before, but yeah, uh, functional styling. I, I like, yeah. I like functional styling because some, some styling moves aid and give the uh, lead opportunities to do more stuff. Doesn't limit them. Mm -hmm. And why do you think mm -hmm. that somebody would be overstyling? What would be the reason? Is it because they're bored? Is it because um, they want to? Sh I mean, and we all dance to show off, and that's the whole purpose of dancing. Is here I am, you know, I'm here. Why do you think somebody would be overstyling for? What purpose do you think that they're doing it for, without even knowing? Wow, I. Never thought of that question. A great, great question. No, um, because I would like to well, know if I've ever, not that I style a lot, yeah, but I, I would told. like to know. I mean, you know, I know that I, I know that I have been guilty of a guy leading me. This is before I led. 
and I was a little bit of a bee. And I was like, God, I'm so bored. So I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. I'm going to do all kinds of stuff to keep myself entertained. That would be my reason. Yeah. Maybe thinking that the guys. I would think, yeah. Yeah. I would think that if someone was bored and maybe, oh gosh, I, I mean, I never did that. Uh, but yeah, that, I guess that could be a possibility if they're bored. I guess in a move, they can try to sneak in some styling that normally would not go in there. Um, you know, when I dance with people who are beginners, I just focus on different things like uh, technique or body movement that I've been trying to get into my basics so that I don't, mm. you know, do things like that. But I think also um, maybe some people want to show off, you know, or maybe someone's working on a new style yeah. that they just learned and they're trying to see where they can sneak it in. Yeah, I've done um, that. For yeah, exactly. I totally have done that. I'm just like, well, maybe it'll work here or maybe it'll work. Here. Um, and then for me, if ever we need to go out and like advertise classes at a club or something, wherever that may be, that's when you have to break out all the styling. Your tools. Yeah. Because so, it's, you know, like, it's like you're, who you're, don't know. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was going to say, what you just said, it's almost like an artist with the palette. It's, it's showing you the palettes. This is all I can do. So it's advertising. Now, I've never done that, that, mm -hmm. that part. I've never done it for advertising, but I've done it like, I feel like, okay, I'm going to be doing basically this guy all the time. And I mean, I know better now after Black Belt Salsa not to do that. You do it to their comfort level. But back then, it was all very self-centered. Like, ah, okay, we're doing the same shit over. Oh, sorry. Okay, sorry Language. about that in the podcast. <laughs> we're doing the same stuff over and over. And I'm just like, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And this crossbody, okay, he's, he's using my shoulders. That means I can do something with my hands down here. I was just using it as an opportunity to, to do something so that I feel like we're both getting something out of the dance. Yeah, she was a sailor in the yeah, military. I was so. in the military, and, and, I, so and she, I, I curse a lot. She talks a lot like a sailor. I do. Um. Well, I think that you should you should keep it to the comfort level because if you stall a lot and the guy's beginner, he's going to get intimidated. Yeah. And no, and it's rude. Yeah. It's rude. Mm -hmm. I, I, I didn't yeah. know I was being rude. I see now that I was being rude. And I've even, when I was following, I found, and I've had other instructors actually uh, here in Oklahoma City say, you're kind of overstyling a little bit. Because I'm trying to learn when to do this. So it's a lot of it. You have to get experience, get experience by making mistakes. And then it turns into wisdom or yeah. really cool stories. One yeah, the really other. cool stories. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, and I do the same with footwork. If I'm with a beginner, I'll keep my footwork to the level that they are so they don't feel intimidated. That's, But you're still working on something. So you're, there's still always. something. Always. Absolutely. I like that. Always. So you had mentioned yeah. private lessons and... Like when I first started, I didn't even know private lessons, boot camps. What are the benefits of like group, private, boot camps, techniques, these training events that students can take advantage of? I think that the nice thing about group lessons, especially for beginners, is there's a big group of people who don't know what they're doing. And so everybody feels more comfortable. Yeah. And so it's just like this Safety fun thing where it's like, we all suck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so they feel comfortable and that's that's what you want you know in a big beginner group lesson okay so um for group lessons that are higher level obviously things go faster patterns are harder less explanation so in that sense you're learning something new and exciting that you can try later when you're social dancing. You're seeing how fast can I learn with very little explanation. Uh, maybe I'm going to learn this new spin or styling for the girls, learn a new pattern for the guys. So group lessons, I think those are the major advantages. 
for private lessons, and this is what I tell everyone when they first call, because as you said, you didn't know about private lessons, but every time somebody calls me asking about lessons, I always mention both because you never know what situation they're in. So group lessons are a fun, exciting way, but they are um, definitely slower because you're in a group setting. If you take a private lesson, it's definitely going to be a faster process because the person, the teacher or teachers are focusing just on you. And I can get a girl, I mean, depending, most girls, I can get them through almost a month's worth of group classes in one private lesson. Because again, following is, has a little bit less to less, it's less stressful than leading at the beginning levels. Um, not at the higher levels, but the beginning. Now, a male, probably maybe on a private lesson, I can get them through one and a half group lessons. But by the second one, we can get to the month. So there's a lot to do. The guys have a lot more to learn at the beginning. And so it's just basically I'll tell them the advantage of a private lesson is you will learn faster. So it's up to you whether you want to, your goal is to learn faster. Also, people are shy. They don't want to be in a group setting. So that's another advantage for private lessons versus group. You mentioned boot camps. Yeah, boot camps. Boot we... camps are great. Yeah. We're going. We're going to come right back to that. We're going to talk about how um, group dances. Well, we'll, we'll finish boot camps. Yeah, we'll finish and then boot camp. We'll, yeah. Then we'll go to uh, your next question. Okay. So we'll be right back.